Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of First Timothy. Today is episode 668, and we're looking at First Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Let's read our passage. But we know the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and the irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, and males who have sex with males, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which was entrusted to me. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul is in Macedonia, probably Philippi, and he's writing this letter to Timothy, who he had left in Ephesus. And his assignment to Timothy, as we saw last time, is to deal with the false teachers. They seem to be Jewish in nature because they seem to want to be teachers of the law. But they're caught up in this speculation about myths and genealogies. So Paul is uh, giving this charge to Timothy, and now he's talking a little bit more about the law, because he said they want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know anything about it. Now he's going to talk some more about the law. Verse 8, but we know the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. He's criticizing the false teachers, not the law. And he wants to make that clear here. He's not criticizing the Jewish law. He's criticizing these false teachers. He says the law is good. But he also has a provision, provided one uses it legitimately. So what would be the legitimate use of the law? Well, Paul talked about this in Romans, because he had a long dissertation in Romans about why God had Israel, why God had the law, why God did all of that. And he mentions some things about the law. So in Romans chapter 7, verse 12, he says, So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. Then in verse 14, he said, For we know the law is spiritual. Then in verse 16, he said, Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. There he says the law is good. He's being consistent with what he was saying in Romans. The law itself is good. And he adds this, provided one loses it legitimately. So what's the legitimate use of the law? Well, it's to show morality, to show moral versus immoral. Now, he was very critical of those pushing the law, the Judaizers, who were saying you must become a Jew in order to become a Christian. And that's where he was really down on those pushing the law. That's not the case here. This group of false teachers is caught up in this speculation about myths and genealogies, where you find a character in the Old Testament and make up a story about it. They're not using the law legitimately. The law legitimately shows moral behavior. And then in verse 9, he says, We know the law is not meant for a righteous person. Now, it's not that a righteous person doesn't need to know what moral behavior is, 
but the, the specifics of the law, do this, don't do that. A righteous person doesn't need that level of detail. A righteous person needs to act out of love, love for one another and love for the Lord. So we know law is not meant for a righteous person. Then he goes through this list of who it is meant for. Now it's not real close, but there's kind of a flavor of this list that goes along with the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments are dealing with attitude and actions toward God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall keep the Sabbath holy. So the first three pairs of issues kind of go along with that loosely. And notice he doesn't actually say actions. He uses the idea of people who do these actions. So he says, not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious. Well, this would be people who are disobedient to God and in rebellion to God. It says for the ungodly and sinful, those who are doing things blatantly wrong and have an arrogant rejection of God. It says for the unholy and irreverent. So this language we speak into inappropriate issues regarding actions in worship. So it's kind of loosely pick up some of the first four commandments, not one for one, but you have that same flavor for it. Then he shifts, like the Ten Commandments do, and starts talking about dealing with other people. For those who kill their fathers and mothers, honoring your father and mother is the fifth commandment. So killing your father and mother would be the most extreme violation of the fifth commandment. And he says, for murderers, that's the sixth commandment. In verse 10, for the sexually immoral and males who have sex with males. This is closely related to the seventh commandment about adultery. So sexual immorality is kind of a catch-all for any sexual sin. And then he specifically calls out homosexuality. And continuing in verse 10, for slave traders, liars, perjurers. Slave traders literally is man stealer. And some English translations say kidnappers. But man stealer, it's be more kidnapping for the purpose of slave trading. Slave traders captures the idea there. Well, that would be the most extreme violation of the Eighth Commandment about stealing. Liars and perjurers, that would be related to the Ninth Commandment. It says, do not bear false witness. So it's a loose following of the Ten Commandments, and he uses the most extreme violations of this. It's not just stealing something that doesn't belong to you, it's stealing a person and selling them into slavery. It's not just dishonoring your parents, it's killing your parents. So he shows the, the extreme violations of God's law here. And then a catch-all, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which was entrusted to me. So is this a catch-all list of sins? No. But it's extreme examples of those who sin. And his point being, 
That is who the law is for. The law is not for the righteous. The law is for the unrighteous. People like this. These are the kinds of people that the law is for. And so this catch-all and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. The word is translated sound is a, it's a medical term. could also mean healthy. And so healthy doctrine, healthy teaching. And that healthy teaching conforms to the gospel. And the gospel is about the glory of the blessed God. Glory is the splendor and power of God. So the gospel shows the glory of God, reveals the glory of God, proclaims the glory of God. Now he says, the blessed God. This is unusual. It's only here, and also in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, do you ever see blessed attached as a description of God? God being blessed. Now, when we bless as a verb, God blesses us by doing good things for us. We bless God by saying good things about God. But to be blessed, quite often, that's translated in English translation as happy. So, do we describe God as happy? How can he not be happy? He is perfect. And so, a way to think about this is God contains all happiness in himself. And he bestows that on people. So the false teachers caught up in the law. They're wanting to be teachers of the law, but they're not even teaching the law. They're caught up in this speculation concerning myths, as fables, and genealogies. So they're probably taking characters from the Old Testament and making up stories about them. And that's obviously illegitimate use of it. Last time we saw Paul says, well, what we do, the content of our teaching, the thrust of our teaching is love. And that goes along with what Jesus said. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord God and love your neighbor as yourself. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say, you have heard it said, and he was referring to the teaching from the law, do not murder. And he would say, but I say, do not even be angry. So Jesus elevated things from just following rules to the proper attitude. And the basis of that attitude is love. The bottom line on love is if you love the Lord, love him completely, and love your neighbor as yourself, the rules take care of themselves because you're only going to do things that are loving. You're not going to do things that are unholy. You're not going to do things that are blasphemous because you love the Lord. And you're not going to do mean things. You're not going to do things that hurt people because you love people. And so Paul told Timothy, you know, the basis of our teaching is love. That's why Christians don't need the Old Testament law. Yeah, we need to understand the descriptions of moral and immoral behavior. But we act out of love, not act out of following rules. So, what's this mean for us? Well, it's just that, love. Love the Lord and love one another. And no sound teaching that conforms to the gospel. As Paul said, that's a problem there. Anything that is contrary to sound teaching. How do we know sound teaching? Well, we study the Bible. We know what the Bible says. That's where God describes for us what holy behavior looks like and what unholy behavior looks like. 
And we do the holy behavior out of love, not out of fear. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time. So continue working through 1 Timothy.